If you have a Bible today, please turn to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus and chapter 25. The book of Exodus and chapter 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you'll make my offering. This is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones be set in the ephod in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. And then verse 40, and see to it, that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Amen. If you know the story of the children of Israel, you know that for 400 years they were slaves, they were captives in Egypt. And as that captivity became more and more difficult, they cried out to God. You know, and when we cry out to God, He hears us, and God heard them and sent a deliverer in the person of Moses. God sends ten plagues to afflict Egypt. And eventually, Pharaoh said, okay, you can go. And so the children of Israel leave. <coughs> and as they leave, they travel for three days, and they come to a place where the Red Sea is in front of them. Mountains are either side of them, and Pharaoh's had a change of heart. He and his armies are behind them. They're trapped. But here's the good news. Where there is no way, God makes the way. The Lord wanted me to say that to someone here this morning. You're going through something right now and you feel trapped. You feel, wow, I can't see a way. Going forwards is blocked, sideways is blocked, backwards is blocked. I am trapped. But the word of the Lord comes to you this morning. Where there is no way, God will make a way. God parted the Red Sea. They went across and they find themselves in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, God desired to meet with his people. They were going to be there for 40 years in the end. But God desired to meet with his people. And the place he chose to meet them was at a place called the Tabernacle. And when Moses is up on a mountain, God speaks to him and says, Look, this is the pattern. This is the way I want the Tabernacle to be made. Now, the Tabernacle consists of an outer enclosure with just one entrance. As you go through that outer enclosure, you come across, you see a picture there. If you, I don't know if it's how good your eyesight is, but anyway. They, then you've got a, the brazen altar, an altar made of brass. And then just beyond that, the, the laver, the place where the priests wash themselves. And then the tabernacle proper, which is like a tent with uh, ram skins on the out, badger skins on the outside, and then ram skins and other things. And it is divided into two parts, the holy place and the holiest of all. And in the holy place, you'd find the, the um, golden lampstand, the table of showbread, 
and the altar of incense. And then beyond the curtain, there's a dividing curtain, beyond the curtain, in the holiest of all, was the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where God's presence would come among his people. They might say, well, what's the importance of all that? Well, as you read the book of Hebrews, it tells us that that tabernacle is a type, is a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we had time to do a Bible study, it would probably take several weeks of Bible study, we could go right through the tabernacle, right down to the, the pegs that held up the outer enclosure, and show you that everything speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ who is to come. Just let me read a verse from Hebrews. Let's just say that. Hebrews 8 and verse 5 says these things. Serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was divinely instructed when he's about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he's obtained a more, that's Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he also is mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Okay, that Old Testament tabernacle with a shadow and a type. But thank God we now have Jesus. Thank God we now have the, the complete thing, the real person, the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank God we don't have to do any more animal sacrifices. Imagine that if we had to slaughter lambs and so on this morning for all our sins. Anyone sinned this week? He'd be here with Luke and he'd be slaughtering the lamb. Oh, you know, I'm messy. Spoil a nice, beautiful decoration that we've got in this place now. <laughs> but we haven't. Jesus, once for all time, for all people, for all sin, offered himself a sacrifice for us upon the cross. Thank God for the better covenant. Thank God for the new and living way. Thank God for the access we now have right into the very presence of God through Jesus Christ. Praise God that the old, which was a shadow and type, is now done away. We have something brand new. But does that mean that we forget about the tabernacle altogether? Well, I want to introduce you to something this morning called tabernacle praying. You say, well, that sounds, you know... I just want to say, the pattern that God gave Moses, that pattern is a pattern that we can use to help us in prayer. If you're like me, you get easily distracted. Anyone get distracted when they pray? Anyone find themselves just, oh, wandering here, wandering there? You know, or are you all perfect in Abraham? I think not. I think, no, we all struggle. And the disciples struggled too. They saw Jesus going from one place of prayer to another place of prayer, and in between working miracles and, and teaching the people with authority. And they, they said, wow. They began to put two and two together and realize it's because of prayer, his communion with the Father resulted in the miraculous and the powerful teaching. And they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They realized prayer is what makes it all happen. And Jesus, you pick it up in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 6 and verse 9, 9 in the Sermon on the Mount, he starts to talk about prayer. He says, after this pattern or in this manner, pray. And Jesus gives the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven. And if you 
you know, you say it parrot fashion, you probably can get through it in less than 30 seconds. But that's not what Jesus ever intended. What he intended us to do was to use that prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, break it down into sections. You could break it down into seven sections and use each section as something to think about, pray about, and work your way through. You know, our Father, you get stuck there for a long, long time. God, you're my Father. You love me. I'm your child. You're a wise Father. You're eternal Father. You see the end from the beginning. Oh, you're our Father. I'm part of a family. I can pray for the family. You know, just, just, just two words. And you do that through the whole Lord's Prayer, and you can find yourself praying. If you spend 10 minutes in each section, you can be praying for 70 minutes. Wow, a pattern of prayer. If you've been in this church a long time, you've heard me preach before on the pattern of prayer using the names of God. The pattern of prayer using Psalm 23. Just like the Lord's Prayer, break it down into sections. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Break it down into sections. Pray through each section. And you find yourself disciplined in your prayer life. If you want another catchy one, is the prayer of Jabez, found in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9 and 10. Jabez prayed, bless me, enlarge me, empower me, protect me. There are four great headings to use to help us to focus in when we pray. But the one this morning I want to talk about is this one, the tabernacle praying. And what I've been blessed as I've looked at it is that men of God, past and present, have used this. Some of the great leaders, you may have heard of Paul Youngie Cho or even Chris Hodges in, in um, Church of the Highlands, one of the biggest churches in North America. They use this in their prank. And I thought, wow, I need to look at this myself. What, what, what are they using for prayer? How can the tabernacle help us how to pray? Well, let's go through it step by step. Step one. Remember, we said it's now to enclosure, there's one gate. And the Bible says we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And if we're going to adopt tabernacle praying, the first thing we do is not come with all our requests, God, give me, give me, give me, but rather come with thanksgiving, thanking God for what he's done in our lives. Thank you, Lord, you saved me. Thank you, Lord, for the times you've touched me, you've healed me. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, Lord, for my, the blessing, the provision in my life. And you go through all the things that God has done for you. In fact, when you give thanks, it's good to find specific things in your life and thank God for them. Those things that you testify about, that God met with you. If it hadn't been for prayer, it wouldn't have happened. It was only God, and, and you want to thank Him. And so we enter His gates with thanksgiving. That's step one. So that can take a little bit of time, thinking of all the things God has done for you. If you like, write them down, but thank God for them. So we get through the tabernacle door. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're ready then for step two. Step two, we come to the brazen altar. It's the altar of brass. Whenever you read of brass, it speaks of judgment. This is the place where sin was judged, where people would come with their sin offerings. We mentioned it a moment ago, but they'd come and they'd bring their animal. They'd lay their hands on the animal and confess their sin. Then the animal would be slain as their substitute. 
They come with their peace offerings, their burnt offerings. You say, what does all this speak about? What does it mean to us? It speaks about the cross. For Jesus is our sin offering. And so we spend time now before the cross and say, thank you, Lord. You died for me on the cross. As many of you have already prayed this morning in the communion time. Thank you, Lord. You took my place. You went through all of that for me. We spend time meditating upon that. He's also our peace offering. Thank you, Lord, through what you did at the cross. I now have peace with God. I am now a child of God. He's our burnt offering. He gave himself for us. Love so amazing, divine, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Lord, you give everything for me. I now give myself to you. So you spend time there doing those things. So that's the, the, the brazen altar. That's step two. Step three, we can then come to the laver. The laver always makes me smile. It's made of brass. But do you know where they got the brass from for the laver? It was the looking glasses of all the women. Imagine that day when they asked all the women to hand in there, because in those days they didn't have mirrors, they had these polished brass plates, looking glasses, and they had to hand in their looking glasses. Can you imagine the, 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 the big queue and people doing their last sort of bit of makeup, bit of, before handing it in? Can you imagine? But they were used and they were melted down and made into this big sort of like huge bath, if you like, on a pedestal. And it's where the priests had to come and they had to wash themselves from head to toe. They had to examine themselves and clean themselves before they could enter into the next part, the tabernacle proper. And that speaks to us. You know, as we come into God's presence, we come through the gate with thanksgiving, we come before the cross, we come here and we need to just spend time to examine ourselves and ask God to wash us and cleanse us. And we need to do it from head to toe. And I found this so powerful as I began to pray through this. I think, God, my mind. Oh, our minds can get filled up with so much stuff. I say, Lord, cleanse my mind. Lord, renew my mind. The Bible says that in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It also says we have the mind of Christ. Lord, fill me with your mind, with your thoughts, with God's thoughts. So I spend time on that. Then I come to my eyes and I say, Lord, as it says in Revelation 3, anoint my eyes with eyes salve, cleanse my eyes, that I might see as you see. Wow, how important it is to see as God sees. To look on situations as God looks upon them. You know, when we see broken and hurting people, to see them as God sees them and loves them and has compassion on them. To see things that wouldn't normally be seen with natural eyes, to see into the spiritual realm. God, open my eyes. And then, God, my ears. Oh, we hear so much stuff bombards our ears. Say, Lord, cleanse my ears and block my ears. Let me hear the voice of God. In John 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Have you been hearing his voice recently? Maybe, maybe not. We need to ask God to unblock our ears. We need to spend time getting our ears sorted out. 
And I know it comes to my mouth. Oh, our mouths. They can do, our tongues can do lots of things they shouldn't do. Say lots of things they shouldn't say. And we say, Lord, Lord, take away all negativity. Take away all criticism. Take away all gossip. Take away all slander. All those things, they shouldn't be there. Lord, let me speak things that edify, that build up, that encourage, that bless. Oh, cleanse my mouth and let it say those things. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, says Psalm 19. And then my heart. Oh, create in me a clean heart, as David says in Psalm 51, and renew a right spirit in me. Oh God, let my heart beat with your heartbeat. Lord, fill my heart with your love and compassion. Let your love, as it said in Romans 5, might be shed abroad in, from my heart by the Holy Spirit. Wow. My heart, my hands. Oh God, let my hands. It says in the Bible, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Lord, help me to reach out and minister your love, minister your healing. Help me to reach out and care and bless and help and come alongside people. My hands, oh God, let them be used for your glory. And I move down my feet. Our feet are the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Lord, guide my steps. Guide my feet. Ephesians 6 talks about our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God, wherever I go, help me be ready to share the good news of Jesus. Wow. That's a good workout, isn't it? I, I, as I began to get into this praying through this tabernacle praying, I find myself quite a long time at the laver. I think you would too. It's a good place to get cleaned up, get sorted out. Praise God. But when I've done that, hey, I can move on to the next phase. Where did I got to? Phase number four, step four. I can now enter the tabernacle proper. And as I enter the tabernacle proper... The first thing I come across is the golden lampstand. The golden lampstand. Wow. The golden lampstand. Gold, if, if you're, I said brass speaks of judgment. We're into another metal now, gold. Whenever you read of uh, silver speaks of atonement, gold speaks of deity and purity. And the golden lampstand is made from one big lump of gold. So it's fas fashioned and molded from, uh, it has a base, it has a main central stem. And then out from that central stem, either side are three other stems. So it's seven in three, six stems, one main stem. So it's seven lamps in total. So gold speaks of deity. We have seven lamps. Seven is the number of God. In the top of the lamps is oil constantly flowing. The, we read about in our reading the olive oil to, to fuel for the lamps. And then the lamps burning brightly. 
What does it speak to us of? It speaks to us of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And those seven, that seven is not just an accidental number of, of lamps. That seven speaks of the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And in Isaiah chapter 11, it tells us a bit more about that. In Isaiah 11, it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And here it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Wow. The Spirit of the Lord. That's like the main stem. And then you've got these other three groups of two, then either side. The Spirit of the Lord. As I get there, I say, Lord, Spirit of the Lord, come upon me. Spirit of the Lord, Holy Spirit, you do what Jesus says. And Jesus does what the Father says. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. I want to do what you say to me. Spirit of the Lord, I submit myself to his Lordship. Spirit of wisdom. Oh, do we all need wisdom in our decision making as things face us, challenge us? In this world in which we live, which is so topsy-turvy and confused at times. Wow, we need wisdom. We can pray for it every day. Spirit of wisdom, come upon me. Wisdom and understanding. Spirit of understanding. Oh, Lord, help me to understand your word. Lord, help me understand your ways. Help me to understand your will. Help me to understand your people. You think, wow, I can understand God's word, God's will, God's ways. People, yeah, we need to understand people. If you're like me, we can be quick to judge. We can quick to make our mind up about people. And God says, you're getting it all wrong. If you stopped and listened... If you stopped and let that person say what they're thinking, you realize that they're going through some stuff and you've missed that completely. Oh, we need the spirit of understanding. God, give me understanding. Spirit of counsel. Oh, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our advocate in the New Living Translation. He's he's our helper. He's our comforter. Oh, it's all the same thing. We need, Holy Spirit, I need you to guide me, lead me, show me. And then he's the spirit of might. God, empower me. Acts 1.8, you should receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you should be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, that Oh, we need God's power in our lives. We think we can do it in our own efforts. We're mistaken. We need his power. And so I, I find myself praying through that. And then, spirit of knowledge. Lord, I want to know you more and more. I want to get close to you more and more. I want to know you, know you, know you. I want to be able to perceive and discern and see things by the Spirit. Knowledge. 
And the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is that awe and reverence of God. God, Lord, help me to walk in awe and reverence of you so that other people won't see Rob Baldwin, but other people will see Jesus in me and through me. Be drawn to you, Lord. Be drawn to you. Wow. I love it, praying at the, the golden lampstand. I trust you're getting that this morning. And then I go across the way on this, the table of showbread. Table of showbread, it's made of wood, a case of wood, and it's covered with gold. Now, whenever you read of wood in the tabernacle, it speaks of humanity. But this wood is covered with gold. Gold speaks of deity. And so we have deity and humanity. We have the Son of God and the Son of Man. One person, Jesus. And on this table of showbread, every day I lay 12 loaves of fresh bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And I look at that and think, Jesus, you're the bread of life. That's what Jesus said in John 6. I am the bread of life. And this he is the word of God. And so at the table of showbread, I come and thank God for his word. I thank God for his promises into my life. Has God given you promises from his word? I'm sure if we stopped right now and went round church, there'd be quite a number of you who'd get up and say, yeah, God, give me this promise. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved in your household. Great promise. Maybe it's a promise about healing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forgetting all his benefits, who forgives all iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Great promise. Maybe God's given you promises. And this is a time to spend time praying over them and thanking God for them. Free is the word. And if he said it, he will do it. That's what we do at the table of showbread. And then we come the last piece of furniture in the holiest place, the holy place, and that is the altar of incense. I was blessed this morning because preachers, we like to just get some kind of confirmation about our message. And I thought, okay, they'll probably do some Palm Sunday or Santa type songs, but I wonder what songs. And all of a sudden, we get the one, let the incense arise. I thought, yes, thank you, Lord. Let the incense arise. And then I was concerned that Pastor Luke was going to pinch my message when he started <laughs> giving a brief exposition of the incense. But our oh, incense, yes, it's our praise, our worship. And at the altar of incense, I come and, and, and I just come and I just meditate upon the names of God. Something I love doing and I haven't time to go through all that this morning, but in my life I've learned how powerful the names of God are. In English, I can give you the Hebrew if you want, but in English, he's our righteousness. He's our sanctifier. He's our protector. He's our provider. There's names of God for all of these. He's our peace. He's our healer. Jehovah Rapha. He's our shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. I just spend time going through those names and thinking about those names and thanking God for each one of those names and is worshiping for his name. Worshiping his name. 
If you can't remember all of those, you can go to Isaiah 9, verse 6. His name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Say, oh, Lord, I worship you, my King, my God. And just worship, just worship. You know, if you've got loads of time, you can put on some worship music to help you, whatever. But, oh, just worship at the altar of incense. Let the incense arise. Let the incense arise. Oh, Revelation tells us how it rises before the very throne of God. Praise the Lord. Oh, and when I've done all of that, I'm now ready to go into the holiest of all. The holiest of all is the high priest can only go in once a year. And that was a fear and trembling with the blood for himself and for the people. But thank God through Jesus we have this new and living way. Thank God we don't have to just wait to go in once a year or even once a week. We can go in every day. We can go in several times a day if we want. We can enter in to that holiest of all place through the blood of Jesus as children of the living God. Praise the Lord. And what did the priest do? He came on behalf of the people. And that's the key. On behalf of the people. And this is the place. Having done all the entrance gates of thanksgiving and the, the cross and the self-examination, the labor and the golden lampstand and the table of showbread, the altar. Now we can start to pray and intercede for others. Right now, in God's presence, you say, Lord, I, I come now and I pray. We come boldly into his presence to pray. In 1, Th in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 2, it says, I beseech, first of all, the prayer and intercession and giving of thanks be made for kings and all who are in authority. If you didn't know what to pray for, the Bible instructs you there. Pray, first of all, pray for those who rule over you, those who govern us, whether you like them or not. We pray for them. Pray that they'll be surrounded by godly advisors, that they'll lead this nation in righteousness. Now we actually do pray for a literal king, I pray for King Charles and Prince William that they be true defenders of the faith. So I spend time there praying for that. I spend time praying for my family, going through my family, praying for my grandchildren, that they grow up to love Jesus and know Jesus. Thank God that my ch our children walk with God, but praying our grandchildren will do the same. This is where we do it. I pray for all the ministers that I care for. I lead a hub group and I care for about 12 ministers and spend time pastoring them, relating to them, encouraging them. Beyond them, we have others like Luke here and Paul in Bridge End and, and uh, Helen in Tonerevel and, and, and Tom Kasaki in Japan that you know. We spent time praying for all these others as well. Some friends of ours in Yate, where I used to work as a GP in ministry there. We pray, I pray, I spent time praying for them all here. I'm right now, right in the presence of God, praying. I pray for my neighbors, 
their eyes be opened and they'll begin to talk about the things of Jesus and God bless them, God will help them as I get to know them, get to know some of their difficulties. Pray for them. So go through them all by name. Pray for the church down the road from us, a charismatic Anglican church. God will bless Simon and Vicar and, and his team there. And pray for the Indian church that we set up that just meets not far from us. And pray God bless Pastor Shabu and the Indian church, the Malayalam language Indian church, and so on. This is what you do when you get to this place. You pray through all these different things. Pray for all your contacts. You know, we've got probably about 20 or more people we've made spoken the gospel to in some quite direct way in the last 12 months or so and pray for each, every one of those that there'll be other links in that chain that someone else will talk to them and they'll be guided towards Jesus. This is what we do. So this is tabernacle praying. I commend it to you. I found in the last two months begin to use this, not every day, I Use perhaps the Lord's Prayer some days, or use the names of God, or Psalm 23, or, well, occasionally, very occasionally, use Prayer of Jabez, as if you're in a hurry, type one. <laughs> but, but I have found, as I've used the tabernacle form of prayer, I've found this, my thoughts think more of the things of God. I was in a prayer meeting on Thursday, and the, the pastor was saying some things, and suddenly my mind was, boom, exploding. All, I thought, wow, this is... Lord, the revelation, the insights that you're giving me is amazing. I promise you, you start to follow this kind of direction in prayer. You'll discipline your prayer life. You bring delight to your prayer life. Or oh, don't you want delight in your prayer life? It should be the thing that delights us more than anything else. And you begin to get blessed. And you find your whole mind and heart begin to be filled more than ever with the things of God.